First Timothy chapter six, verses seventeen through twenty-one, and hear the word of God. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, nor to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Timothy, protect what has been entrusted to you. Avoid worldly empty chatter and opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed and thereby have gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Gracious God, we humbly receive your word. We receive the instruction. We receive the promises. We receive it as food for our souls. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Father, I now pray that whatever proceeds from this mouth that is not of you would fall to the floor and remain unheard. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord Jesus, you said heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never pass away. So, God, even today, would you speak? Holy Spirit, come, illuminate your word, bring it to us with power. Speak. Father in heaven, speak. Your children are listening. Have mercy in the name of Christ. Amen. So, 1 Timothy. Here we are. Paul has written this first letter to his protege, this apostolic emissary, the one who is to take up the charge of the work for the kingdom in Ephesus. And his charge predominantly is to positively to teach sound doctrine while simultaneously curbing false doctrine. That he must instruct those who are teaching false doctrine because doctrine, theology, teaching shapes how you live. What you think about God, it has been famously said, I think it was A.W. Tozer, but what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. That, That idea which must, it ought to come from who God has revealed himself to be. Remember, this is where we were last week, that God dwells in unapproachable light. And the only way that we know God is if God comes to us to make himself known to us. That knowledge is dependent upon the revelation of God. And the revelation of God is something that God himself must initiate. 
That God is not something somewhere out there in the nebula for us to discover, for us to put under a telescope or under a microscope and parse out. But God must come to us and say, this is who I am. This is, how, this is what the world is. This is what you are. This is who I am. And this is what it means to be in a relationship with me. God must do that because we ourselves will fill in the gap any way that we can. We'll make idols out of anything to find our identity and our purpose and our drive and all those things. We'll, we'll seek it in the sun and the moon. We'll seek it in graven images. We'll seek it in our family, in our work, in our college football team. Sorry, South Carolina. We... We all drop the ball, okay? We can just pat each other on the back and uh, move on. Except for you Tennessee people, we don't want to hear it. Um, I'm back there, I see you. Um, but we, we seek our identity in all of these things. And so God dwells in unapproachable light. We do not get to craft our way to him. We're revelation dependent. Not the book of revelation, but, but God disclosing himself to us. He opens himself in the natural order, in the natural world. The heavens declare the glory of God. He makes himself known to us there. And yet it is enough that in, in our sin, in, our fa- in this fallen world, we take it and we twist it to serve and worship the creature rather than the creator. Romans chapter 1. That we're without excuse. That God, his eternal attributes are clearly displayed. And yet we will worship anything else. So Timothy has to come and has to, has to do the hard pastoral work of telling people, you do not get to make God in your own image. Now, that wasn't just something that they did when they carved wood and stone, right? This happens every single time someone comes to me and says... You said this, but my God would never, or my God is like, and that is literally because it doesn't come from the Bible. (laughs) That they they carved up some notion of this is who I am and this is how, how the world is and this is how I think God ought to act. This is how I think God ought to be. And all you've done is that you've, you've substituted wooden, gold, silver idols for one of your imagination. One of your own image. And this is always, always the draw. It's always the push. And so we need to be continually coming under the authority of God's word and saying, no, God's really like this. He dwells in unapproachable light. No one has ever seen him or can see them. See him. He's, he's blessed and the only sovereign, Lord of lords and King of kings. He's not like you. You're made like him. Your life is derivative of his life. The existence of any light in the world is derivative of his, his light. The existence of authority in this world is derivative. You understand what I mean by derivative? It all derives from him. There's, there's no, nothing that stands on its own. There's no life that stands on its own outside of God. 
whether that be human life, salamander life, sea slug life, whatever life, isopod, the roly-poly that you find under the rock in your garden, its life is derivative from the source of life, which is God. The light of the moon that reflects off the sun, the sun, all of that's derivative from God. There's nothing in this universe that stands on its own. And so Timothy's doing this hard work where he's plowing the field and he's preaching the word, right? That's 2 Timothy chapter 4, but, but preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. He's, he's confronting the idols of the people and the idols of the culture. And whenever you're plowing that, that field, I know we're not all farmers or any of us have, are farmers. Some of you may have grown up on a farm. We're all thankful for you, for your heritage. Uh, but sometimes you run into something, right? You run into a stump. You run into a big rock. And you've got to do the hard work. If you're going to plow that area, you've got to get that thing out of the field. The stump's got to go. The rock's got to go. And so for some of you, when you're thinking about what this year, year needs to look like, there might be that idea that, that there's something about your understanding of God, who God is, what He's about, and what he wants for your life, that that rock, that stump that comes from you and not from God, it needs to go. You, you need to be sanctified. You need to be made holy by the effect of God through his word and his spirit in your life. One of the greatest things, especially in Western culture, it's obviously not new or original to us. But something that can be become that rock or that stump in our lives that hinders the growth of God's fruit in us is the pursuit of money. Now, we've already been through earlier in chapter six that the the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But now Paul circles back here at the end of the book, which which yields a little bit of emphasis At the end of the book, he says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited. Now, you might not think you are rich. And by, you know, in in 2022, 2023 inflation world, you might really feel not at all rich, right? You feel very pinched. And I understand. Uh, But as we've been over before, in the grand scheme of things, On a global scale, you are profoundly, financially, fiscally rich. You own a car, or you're paying, you're paying, you're paying on a car, maybe. Um, You're you're paying on a house that you live in that belongs to you. You have tracts of land. You have jobs. You have retirement accounts. You you have these things that people in, in the vast majority of the world cannot even conceive of. They can't conceive of living in a 1,500 square foot house or a 2,000 square foot house or whatever size house you live in. They can't conceive of it, of driving around in a car like you have or like I have. So I think there's a way if if we understand what's happening here that the instructions to the rich are for all of us. And again, you might bucket that, right? You know, we grew up with nothing. I still have nothing. And Okay, you missed what I just said, but it's okay. You can, you can continue to, to hold on to it. But instruct those who are rich in this present life not to be conceited. 
Why would you be conceited? Semi-rhetorical, but why would you be conceited with all when you when you when you're rich, when you have a big bank account, when you have a big house and a big car and a nice boat, and um, you you've got a beach house, a mountain house, and a, a Great Lakes house, and a, a West Coast house, and an East Coast house, and a Florida house, a Keys house, a Caribbean house. I know that's true for all of you. I know, I know your secrets. I'm just kidding, I don't. Why would you be conceited? That you're, you, you begin to look at those things and you say, look at what I have. Look at what I have done. And for the rich in Ephesus, it became a power play. That having these things, it gave them clout and influence and power in the society. And so they began to look at their riches and they began to believe the lie that somehow your worth and dignity is tied up with what you have. And just look at our culture. We've swallowed this pill and we swallow it every day gleefully. That your worth, your dignity, the loudness of your voice should be dependent upon how much you have. Have you thought about the people who make millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars who then believe that they have the authority to speak on things that they are completely ignorant of? Example A. Instruct those who are rich not to be conceited. Your financial material blessings do not set you above other people. America, are you all listening? You, you might, and you know, you're thinking about Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and uh, Zuckerberg and all the people that like to look down their noses at us, regular people. Um, but it also goes, it keeps going, right? Our financial, physical, material wealth does not make us more worthy, more dignified than people who do not have it in other places in the world. They remain made in the image of God. Instruct those who are rich in this present world. If you're an underliner, you might underline that. In this present world, because it's going to come to bear in a moment. Don't be conceited and don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't set your hope don't put your cards there. Don't, don't go all in on your 401k. Don't go all in on your house and on your, on your job. And that's really hard to do because we work really hard. We work hard to, to earn and to pay and to do. And then you finally come to the point where you're, you feel like you're in retirement. And you might, some of you, you might be able to take a breath. Some of you seem to speed up when you hit retirement. That's another conversation. Um, it's okay. You could slow down just a touch. Don't stop. Anyways, um, that we, uh, that we put all of our cards because we've labored so hard and we think that we're working for this. And that goes back to something we don't have time about time for, but, but we need to consider what we're thinking about work and why we work for what reasons we work. But don't put your hope on the uncertainty of riches. 
He doesn't just say, don't put your hope on riches, which should be self-evident. But he says, don't put your hope on the uncertainty of riches. We, uh, where my dad's from in Woodstock, Virginia, which is in the, not Woodstock, New York, okay? My dad, mom and dad were a little bit of a hippie back in, hippies back in the day. But, but he's from Woodstock, Virginia, which is not hippie. Uh, it's beautiful in Shenandoah Valley. Uh, but where we would stay, we stay at this old inn that I think it was George Washington or somebody stayed in, you know, obviously five minutes ago, a long time ago. And you walk down and there's Shenandoah Rivers down there. And the Shenandoah River is what they call a dying river because it's slowing down. And so it has these gigantic uh, loops in it, you know. Um, but you can cross and sometimes the river goes high and low, high and low. Um, but near where this inn is, there is a, a swinging bridge that goes over it. That's probably 50 feet, maybe 60 feet over the river. Uh, and it's all, you know, it's, it's metal cables, but then it's wooden planks that go out there. Uh, and the river is not, you know, it's a dying river. It's slowing down. So it has deep channels, but it is, I would not trust falling from 60 feet thinking I'm not going to somehow crack something on a rock under the water. Okay. So it's, it's a little bit, un, it's, I'd rather go over like a deep river if I'm going to go that high anyways. Uh, but you, you're walking out there and you know, there's somebody that's tasked in the County, Shenandoah County with, with going and checking all of the bridges. And he was actually a, a, a relative of mine. Uh, I don't know if he's still doing it, Freddie Helsley. And uh, I, I'm going to take a gamble right now that he's never going to li- li- listen to this. Okay. Um, so uh, Freddie's not a small man. Okay. Like not a small man. <laughs> Swinging bridge, wooden planks, not a small man. Okay. And so he would be the one who had to go out there and check the planks to make sure that they weren't unstable. And there have been a few times where we were out there and obviously Freddie or whoever was in charge of that, that rotation missed, missed their rotation because there was a couple planks out. And so we're walking out there and you know, all of a sudden you just see river, you know. And I'm like, this isn't the Amazon. This is America, right? There should be somebody that's replacing the planks. And so that made you walk a little bit more gingerly. And that's the imagery. Don't put your hope. Don't rest your life. Don't rest your eternity on the uncertainty of a rotten board, right? Sure, if God's blessed you with a lot, praise God. You should praise God and use it for his kingdom. But don't, put, don't hedge your bets on those riches holding you up forever. Because when you, what happens, if you, and thankfully this hasn't happened to me, but um, you know, what happens if you step on that board and it's rotten? Best case scenario is that you end up in some gymnastic position that you never designed for, right? <laughs> Worst case scenario is that you go plunging down. Or it's like the time my, uh, my dad was in our attic. You know where this is going. And he, you know, my parents, they, they have like one pl- piece of plywood out. Uh, and he wanted to get to somewhere else. And this, I think it was in high school or college and I was home. I don't know. And I was literally in the hallway at my parents' home, and all of a sudden, all like all of a sudden, uh, the sky was falling, and there's my dad's legs, like eye level. And thankfully, I was there because I was like, hold, you know, trying to hold him up. Um, 
Like Moses at the battle, holding hold my dad up until we could try to figure a way. Are you going back up or are you coming all the way through? Like, wait, which way is it? And it's the same way, right? You, you step, you accidentally step between the, the joists, whatever those things are, uh, between the boards, right? And he went through the, the sheetrock is not going to hold a grown man. And so he went right through. Uh, and that's the uncertainty of riches. And you could fill in the gap. It could be the uncertainty of riches. It could be the fickleness of people's attitude toward you. It could be if, if somehow you have a, a circle in which you're famous, which, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to single anybody out in here, but some of y'all, some circles, you're well known for your stuff. Um, there's a fickleness to what people think. And if you're putting all of your hope in that basket, you know how crowds can change. They can go from Hosanna, Hosanna to crucify him in a week. Not just for Jesus, but for anybody. So don't put your hope. And these are all the things the world is telling you to put your hope on. Live for this. Live for this. And all of these things, you will fall and you will fall catastrophically, painfully. Either into depression, despair, or despondency, or it might lead straight to death. Don't put your hope on the uncertain things of this world. Where should our hope lie? Christ. Or as Paul says, on God. Which I have to tell the kids all the time. It's the same. There's this thing called the Trinity. Don't ask me right now. Okay? Preach it up. We'll talk about it later. Um, But that we rest our hope on God. You're, you're looking for your purpose, your satisfaction. Who's going to uphold you when your job fails, when your health fails, when your family fails, when people turn their back on you, when all of the world falls? We look to the one who changes not. Malachi 3.6, I the Lord Do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. Or in Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Put your hope on God. Hope. This is that that VBS sermon, okay? How do you prepare for 2023? Hope in God. Hope in God. Because it will come. Whatever it is, it will come this year. Sickness will come. Difficulty will come. Death will come. Losing jobs will come. Bouts of depression will come. Confusion will come. Wars in the world will come. Ups and downs, it will all come. And He is our foundation. Hope in God. How do you prepare for this year? Don't be conceited or set your hope on the things of this world, but hope in God. And notice, notice what hope in God does. Sometimes, this is where I think we miss it sometimes. I am not saying, and neither do the scriptures teach you, It's not saying hope in God and just wait for this world to burn. Right? 
retreat into an, an all, like everything, you know, everything in your house has to have Jesus on it or some Bible verse on it. You're not allowed to enjoy any music unless it's on 89.7. Don't, don't get me started. Or 88.1, depending on your generation, probably. Uh, or 88, what is it? 88 point, what's the other one? Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, that you, that's the only stuff you can listen to, right? That you have to retreat into a complete Christian world and just sort of forget about the rest of it. No, it says, hope on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Just, just, just think on that for a second. What'd you have for breakfast? What, sorry, what'd you have for breakfast? Did you eat breakfast? Do I need to be your mom and dad? It's an important meal of the day. You need to break the fast to get your metabolism going, get your sugars up, get your mind going, get right in the head. Eat your breakfast. I had a smoothie, uh, and it was delightful. I'm not gonna, I, had, well, I can tell you what I put in it. You want to hear what I put in it? I, I put spinach, pumpkin seeds, walnuts, protein powder, and almond milk. New Year's, that'll last a week. It's New Year's resolutions, okay? So just chill. It's not, I don't do that all the time. Um, but it was great. It tasted great. And even something as silly as that, God has given that you will enjoy it and glorify God. He's given you all things to enjoy. From the great and wonderful things and the big things like marriage and children and grandchildren and whatever else, other people in your life, to the little small things like a silly smoothie I had this morning that I was like, ooh, that tasted great. All things. You hope in God. And one of the ways that you hope in God is enjoying the world that God has made. Go through, and I did this yesterday, and I forgot how many it is, but it's a lot. Go through Genesis chapter 1, and you know, which Bible reading plan? It's uh, F260 plan. Uh, we'll, I'll send you a PDF if you need it. We have some printouts, I'm sure, somewhere. Um, but tomorrow, you're going to read. You, pastoral, you are going to read your Bible tomorrow. Right? Okay. Genesis chapter 1, go through and circle all the times that God says, this is good. And then he makes man, male and female, makes them in his image, and he says, this is very good. And yes, sin messes things up, sin corrupts this world, but sin is not bigger and so bad that it wipes away all of the goodness of God around us. That there's still a world to enjoy for Christ's sake. It's the theater of God's glory. Enjoy it. How do you hope in God? Enjoy the world that he's made. Enjoy the blessings of being in fellowship with Christ. Enjoy knowing that your name is written on the book of, the, the book of life in heaven. Rejoice that the Holy Spirit dwells in you as a safety deposit for glory to come. Enjoy all of the spiritual blessings because you have every single one in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. But also enjoy the sunset. Enjoy the mountaintop. Not like the metaphorical one, but go climb a mountain. If it's too much, then we'll get you a go-kart or something. You can drive to, a top of a lot, drive to the top of Mount Mitchell. Up in North Carolina. Tallest mountain east of the Mississippi. Trivia. There you go. But enjoy. I just I want you to ruminate, think on, meditate, memorize that. Put your hope on God who richly supplies you with all things to enjoy. Anything, if, if 
remember, if there's, if there's nothing in this world that stands alone, if there's no life, there's no light, there's no authority that is not derivative of, from God, then there's no delight in this world that is not derivative from God. For God eternally delights within Himself. Father delighting in the Son, delighting in the Father, delighting in the Spirit. This is the existence of God. God is eternally delighting in Himself and He invites us to delight in Him and delight in His world. Don't feel bad about you know, enjoying your ice cream sundae. Feel bad if, you're, if that's your emotional support every single day. Okay, then, then you're putting your hope on the squishy uncertainty of ice cream. That will therefore make you squishy too. And that's not any, anywhere you want to be. I'm not, there's, where's the lie? There's no lie. Um, instruct them. So um, put your hope on God. Hope in God by delighting in what God has made. Instruct them to do good. Now here, do good. Be rich in good works. Don't just be rich in money. Be rich in good works. This is the whole point of Titus, by the way. Paul writing to another guy that he sends out to Crete. And he, the whole book is about, I want my people to be zealous for good works. Then we should be biting at the bit. How do we do something good in this world? Jesus went about doing good things. How do we go about doing good things? How do we go up picking up the trash that nobody notices? Nobody's going to pat you on the back for. I'm not saying put on the vest and get the poker and walk down White Pond unless you want to. But go out, go out and you're in the mall. No, don't go to the mall. There's no mall to really go to. But, but, but you're in the grocery store. You know, fix a shelf for Jesus' sake. Nobody has to know. It's small. seems meaningless. But do it for Jesus' sake. And then, and then grow up from there. Buy a meal from, for somebody. If somebody's sick, go make them something. If, if you haven't seen somebody in a little while, give them a call, write them a card, check on them. If there's somebody in our community right, that, that we know that they're struggling and you, and you become aware of it, that you become aware of it so that you can be rich in good works. I'm not saying that you have to go pay all our bills. I'm not saying that you have to bankrupt yourself to, to do this, but you can sacrifice a little bit to, to bless somebody else or a very a free way, a free way. Free, free, free is to just be an encourager. Everything in this world, everything in this world right now, it seems like is about the ministry of discouragement and the ministry of discouragement is Satan's ministry. Christian, be about the ministry of encouragement. Recognize people's gifts. Val- say, I see, I see this in you. Help people recognize a gift that they might not be living out. Be zealous in good works. Look to God's law. Have no other gods before Him. Worship God. Be faithful in your commitments. Tell the truth. Don't covet other people's stuff. Those are all good works. Be rich. It doesn't just say like, do a little bit of them, right? And do them begrudgingly. Be rich in them. You're richly delighting in God's world. Richly do good in it. Do good in it. And y'all, many of you, you're doing this, we're doing this, but wherever you are, there's a step to take there this year. There's, there's a way for you to, to shift, shift, maybe shifting your money or shifting your time or becoming more aware. You know, not, you, know you come home at the end of the day, you're, you're zonked, you're exhausted, you just want to open up the garage, run inside, shut it before anybody in, in the neighborhood sees you and can talk to you. 
Is that, is that just me? I can feel like sometimes it's just I'm spent. I'm emotionally spent. I just feel like everything's been taking away. I've just been a, like I've been a bucket with a hole in it and I'm empty and I need to go and I need to be recharged with a bunch of little, little ones running around and just forget everything else. Um, but there are people around me that, that, that I'm there for God's purpose in their lives. When they're, when they're sick or, or anyways, that they're my neighbors, right? How, how can I do good there? Just begin to ask God the question. Would you make me rich in good works? Not because you're gonna, God's going to save you, right? Do we have to do this every time? We can say, do good works, and you don't do good works to be saved. You do good works because you are saved, right? You're a new creation. And as new creation, right, in that, in that, that passage, and I'm not preaching that sermon. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right? Whoever's in Christ is a new creation. Literally, it just says, Whoever's in Christ, new creation. So that you being made new means that you, are, you now become an implement, if you will. An implement in making things new. Okay. Bringing wholeness. Making something beautiful. Okay. Instruct them to do good, be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So the rich in this world, remember, the rich in this world are... For a lot of ways, are us in various degrees. Okay? If we, I don't know if you swallowed that pill yet. Maybe God will give you grace to. Um, but someday we'll, I'll take you somewhere. Okay? Uh, we'll go somewhere and we'll pr- I'll prove the point. You go see what we saw in Puerto Rico. Go see what, I, what I've seen in Brazil or in, uh, in China. Or go and look at some of our communities in America and tell me. That you sitting here, by and large, comparatively speaking, are not rich. And you've been rich so that, you've been enriched in these ways, so that you can be generous and ready to share. God has not given you a lot of stuff to be stingy. Stinginess is is sinful. It's not just a joke. Um, So is overspending, but anyways. Um, Storing up for themselves the treasure of of a good foundation for the future. How do you prepare for 2023? Live for the future. Not just like 2023 future, but live for eternity. How often did Jesus talk about storing up treasures in heaven? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Would you have a full, satisfying life? Live for eternity. And as you live for eternity, you live in the kingdom of God that is already here and not yet here, where there's no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, where God is our delight and we have no need for a son. When you begin to live for eternity, it's a two-way street. You begin to bring those blessings back into today. If you drop your gaze from God's glory and eternity, living and looking simply here, whatever today has, it's going to be easy to get despondent, depressed, be grumbly, complaining. But when your eyes look up and you see a new heavens and a new earth ahead for you, Christian, 
You see a crystal sea and streets of gold. Worshipping at the feet of Christ. That begins to trickle back into this life. Why, why would I be discouraged? Hope in God I will yet praise him. Why would I complain? Look at what I've been given in Christ. Yeah, it takes a little bit of faith. But those blessings begin to trickle back into this life. You lay a good foundation for the future. You lay a foundation then, laying up treasures in heaven, being rich in Christ with good works, but also that they may take hold of it now. You want abundant life now? Live for them. There's this old adage, right? You know, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. If you're really heavenly minded, that's the only way you're going to be any earthly good. So consider and lay up your treasures in heaven. Store up your life ahead of you. What God has given you in Christ and begin to bring that back. What would it mean? What would it mean? Church, I'm closing up. I know, I know. Y'all wake up. What would it mean? Say the kingdom of God means this. What would it mean for the kingdom of God to come now? Here, now, in your neighborhood. What would it mean for the kingdom of God to come here, now, in your life? Right? We pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know what I'm supposed to be about on earth if I don't know what heaven is like. Your kingdom come now. Where do we look, lift up and look around? Where do we see God's kingdom not here? Do you understand what I'm asking? Where do we see the kingdom of God not manifested, not demonstrated? Right? If we spent the time and I got you rolling, we could list out 10 billion things probably. Hungry people, hungry children, kids who can't read on grade level, broken families, kids in foster care, murders, death, addictions, sicknesses. Fill it in. But the problem is, or the reality is, is that some of those things are closer to you. You know people. You know people that are addicted. You know families that are struggling, marriages that are struggling. And those things, those become the fissures, the cracks in the sidewalk that you can plant gospel seeds and see true life grow. That we as a church said, all right, we, and this is what happened with the, me, the meals to go. Began to pray. This, I began to pray this. And I got a call and I said, hey, here, Monty. And then all, all that happened by God's grace. And a few, I mean, there's more complicated, but that's, that's how I remember it. <clears throat> that, so that in, in God's kingdom, there aren't hungry people. So we should feed people that are hungry. We don't have to make this super spiritual, super complicated. But ask the question. In 2023, how do, how do you be rich in good works? Ask this question. Where do you need to go about doing good? Ask this question. Where is the kingdom of God need to come in my life? In my neighborhood? In my family? And it might be for you who have little children in the home. You say, I need to see God's kingdom come. And we being serious about family discipleship and family worship. Ten minutes a day after dinner... 
four or five days a week. I know it's, it's, I don't want to shoot too high, but I want you to make it more realistic. We're going we're gonna to pray together. We're going to read the Bible together. And we're going to worship God together. I want to tell you, for you who have little kids, that's going to make an exponentially greater difference in your children's lives than whatever we got going on two or three times a week here. Like exponentially. The Bible tells it, but also research tells it, just FYI. So, and, and for, maybe for grandparents, maybe how you do your grandkids. I don't know. I don't have grandkids yet for a long, 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 long. <sighs> Not ready. Uh, but, but think about that. Or maybe in your workplace. And maybe you're kind of, maybe there's HR policies and you're trying to, trying to wiggle your way through all of that, not get in trouble for saying Jesus stuff. I promise you, no, you're not going to get in trouble for, for bringing food to the person who just lost their grandma. Or saying, I'm going to do good for my coworkers and you know, bring them some, I don't know, some brownies. I don't know. Or maybe we as a church say, how do we revive? And we've talked about this and we're going to work on this. How do we revive or breathe fresh air into some of our relationships with, with, local, church, with, with local schools? How do we bless those teachers and those kids? And what, what can we do? Anyway, so ask that question individually. What, where, where does the kingdom of God need to come in my life, in my, my sphere of influence, right? My network of relationships, which as we, as Dustin commented to me yesterday at Matt Roach's funeral, it's a lot bigger than you realize. The people that you're connected to, and that you can impact. But also for we as a church, what, what is it? Where do we see, the, the, where do we think by God's grace, by the vision he gives us, that the kingdom of God needs to come in our community? When I think the first, first, and I, this is, um, I'm going to wrap it up here. I know, I'm sure y'all got New Year's stuff, ham hocks thawing out for the collards. That's, that's happening in our house, by the way. Um, that, uh, that I think the first priority yeah, it's great to feed people. It's great to help educate people. You want to do good in our community. Um, but we need to introduce people to Jesus. I'm going to put this down until I hear amen. amen. We need to be about the business of ushering people into the kingdom. We do that by sharing the gospel with them. And so I've been praying about this and I've talked to some of our staff and I'm not going to. We are going to set a goal. As a church for 2023. um, That by the end of the year together. Together. We are going to have together at least 500 gospel conversations. That's a big number. But look how many there are in, in this room. That just means for, you know, maybe, maybe you have one or two or three, four. You're capable of more. And we'll talk about weeks to come. We'll talk about what that is, how we're going to record it. Um, but this is, I think this is a better way than saying how many baptisms did we have. Because God saves people. We, are fa- we must be faithful to share the gospel in word. As we share it in deed, but we must share it in word. So we're going to paint a big, hairy, audacious goal on the wall for God's glory. We're going to share the gospel in gospel conversations with 500 people this year. I can't do that without you. This is an us thing.
Okay? But our community, you look around, it is not enough to say, man, these people need Jesus. Well, yeah, and you have the message of salvation. You have the message of Christ. Okay, so I, I let the cats out of the bag. I'm a little, there's a little bit of trepidation, um, but there shouldn't be because this is what God has called us. One of the things God has called us to do as a church. Um, so would you pray for that with me? Would you pray that we as a people, that God would awaken us to want to have conversations around the gospel with other people? Two, would you pray with me that God would give the grace that people will believe, that they would hear the word of Christ and believe upon Christ? Would you see the kingdom come in our community? Then we have to have people changed. What does Paul say in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13? That we were transferred from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his beloved son. If we would see the kingdom of God come today, if we would protect the the gospel that's been entrusted to us, like Paul's telling Timothy, then we have to see people move from the kingdom of darkness, which is where people live who are outside of Christ. We see them move into the kingdom of God. And would you see the change that is wrought in our community? So that's our prayer. There's a, there's a lot more things that we're praying for, but that's the one today, okay? And so for some of you, there's, this is, there's two challenges on the, on the table, okay? Two challenges. One challenge, for some of you, and I don't know, but it's a new day. There's new mercies before you in Jesus. And you might have heard the gospel before. And the gospel is repent from your sins. Believe upon Christ. The gospel is Jesus. The son of God. Who has come in the flesh. He lived a perfect life. Totally obedient to the will of God the father. Totally obedient to the law of God. And he died a substitutionary death. He died the death that we should die because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God. But the grave could not hold him. And he rose three days later. And that everyone who believes in Jesus will be saved. And the converse is also true. Everyone who does not believe in Jesus will not be saved. So for some of you, you need to drop the act, maybe. Or you just say, I've never followed Christ. And today's the day for you to respond in faith to Jesus. That's your challenge. By God's grace, come to Christ. Christian, this is your challenge. If you're going to share the gospel in ways that you've never shared them before, shared it before, then probably something's got to get out of the way in your life. And when we respond, I want you, if the Holy Spirit identifies that thing, I want you to repent of it, ask God to get rid of it, whatever, whatever's in the way of your faithfulness right now. That's how you to respond. God, whatever is hindering me from sharing the gospel, would you remove it? Would you give me grace to conquer it? If it's fear of people, If it's fear of awkwardness, if it's fear of shame, fear of not knowing what to say, fear of not having the right answers, that's all fine. But ask God to give you a greater 
burden for the glory of Christ and for the brokenness of your neighbors, that it would jump over all of that. That's our prayer. So come to Christ. Get the junk out of the way so that we can be faithful in 2023. Let's pray. God, we give you glory and we thank you. Would you help us to live in this year faithful to you, not conceited in what we have, but enjoying what you've given, being zealous for good works, to do good in this world, to be agents of the kingdom and the greatest good that we can do, not the only good, but the greatest good that we can do is to tell someone else about your great love for us in Jesus. Lord, if there are some here who need to trust in you, who need to leave the darkness and step into the light of your love, would you help them? Would you cut away all of the tethers, all of the if this and then what and all the things that are holding them back? Would they be enraptured by the beauty of Jesus who calls them, who says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Would you bring them, Lord? For your people where we have been Lazy, God, would you forgive us? Where we have turned down opportunities to share the gospel, would you forgive us? Where we know of lost people, but we're too concerned about what they think of us than to bring up Jesus, Lord, would you forgive us? For all of the other things, the awkwardness and the shame and feeling like we have to answer all the questions right, Lord, would you capture our vision and our hearts and our love for the glory of Christ, that our hearts would be like Paul when he entered Athens and was provoked by all of the idols around him. Would we be provoked, stirred up and broken over those who live in darkness today, right here within a stone's throw of this building, within a stone's throw of our homes and of our desks at work? Would you break our hearts for them? Would you burden us for your glory? God, would you give grace to bring true revival to us and transformation to the people who are going to hear of Jesus through this, through us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.